and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. And I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 5, episode 13, Blood Ties. This is a good episode. This is a good follow-up. It is a good episode. Mm. I cheered up at the end. I didn't expect to, but... (sighs) I will say that this is an angsty episode, right? We've got a lot of teen angst going on here. And I think that Mm -hmm. in the past, perhaps, perhaps for some viewers... This would be a point of contention for them liking Dawn because she is very angsty and upset in this episode. But I had a lot of, I gave her a pass. I I had a lot of space for her here because she's dealing with a lot and she's very young. Agreed. And I think her teenage angst here was spot on. I also personally really love teenage angst. Like you you and I grew up. You did want to do a Dawson's Creek rewatch podcast (laughs) originally. So if that's not teenage (laughs) angst, I don't know what is. I do eat that shit up. And um, you and I grew up in the 2000s, right? Where we had like the music we listened to was the emo um, white boy gang. (laughs) Who's we here, Steph? Boy bands. <laughs> We're the same age. I assume you listen to like Simple Plan and Some 41 and all these boy bands. I wasn't really into music until Taylor Swift. Okay. Well, there, hey, <laughs> I respect that very much. But like Blink-182, like these were all like like pop punk bands mm-hmm. yeah, that, I get that spoke to the 13-year-old soul. <laughs> And, but, you know, you don't understand. Like, you don't know my life. (laughs) So this this did that for me. (laughs) So how are you feeling about the fact that in about 13 years, you're going to be on the other side? You're going to be the choice in this situation. I can't wait. I was talking to my friends the other day and I was like, I cannot wait for my kid to start slamming doors and being like, you know what it feels like. You don't know what it's like. I'm going to find that so funny. I'll be sympathetic. Of course. I'll be like, yeah, you're a hormone bomb, as Spike is saying in this episode. But like, like that's it's a, it's a time honored tradition of a that's teenager. That's how much Steph likes teenage angst, everybody. Yeah. She is uh, re- she, she is bringing forth more teenage angst into this world just so she could feed off of it. I know. I feel bad for my kid because, uh, like, will Homebrew I Homebrew teenage angst. Will, will I encourage the angst? Probably. I'd be like, yeah, like, no one understands you. Are, are you going to introduce her to, some like, a, an attractive person of a gender she's attracted to? Mm-hmm. And then introduce her to another attractive person a few months later, just to set up a love triangle on purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, what else am I going to be doing at that point? I mean, you and I will still be podcasting, obviously. Uh, But maybe the podcast will turn into what my 14-year-old's up to this week. Oh, Uh, this this is taking a turn. Okay. Uh, Should we get into it? Yes, let's do it. We open on the magic shop. 
uh buffy's with the scoobies i assume it's like the next day i don't know after the watchers council left they, they gave the information and left as buffy told them to good yeah good bye the scoobies want to throw buffy a birthday party it's her birthday coming up it must be january uh willow says it's exactly what she needs because buffy's like oh, i don't know now's the time and she says presents and funny hats and candles that don't blow out and then her and tara agree that those used to scare them <laughs> <laughs> so Buffy says, you know, we need to focus on stopping glory. And Xander reminds the audience that they're up against a god, an actual mightier than thou god. And Willow says, uh, you know what they say, the bigger they are. And then Anya says, the faster they stomp you into nothing. And everyone's like, oh, geez. And Buffy agrees, right? Because Buffy has uh, fought her twice. And every time, Glory just shrugged her off. And Willow says, okay, well, then we need something heavier to, fl- to throw. And Giles says the council has dis- discovered that Glory and two of her fellow hell gods ruled over one of the more seriously unpleasant demon dimensions. Anya says there are thousands of demon dimensions, all different. And Giles is like, yep, they're pushing on the edge of our reality, trying to find a way in. And Buffy says, okay, so Glory found her way in. The question is why? And Giles says, there's nothing that indicates that here, just vague references to chaos and destruction. So Buffy says, okay, we know where Glory is from, but what do we know about her? She's tough. She, but she doesn't have like lightning or blasts of fire. I thought that's what like gods would have. You know, Steph, I am so tired of kids these days and their unrealistic expectations of godhood, right? Like... They got all hyped up on Old Testament stuff, and they're like, oh, God has to be full of wrath and such. And it's like, you know, back in my day, God was simpler, right? (laughs) God was just a crazy woman in a red dress. And we were fine with that, and we accepted that, and that was good enough for us. But nowadays, kids with their newfangled technology and everything want more flash from their gods. I'm not here for it. This is all Marvel's fault, if you ask me. <laughs> the Marvel right? universe. Yeah, Buffy, let's let's take it down a notch, all right? Glory's doing the best she can. And Giles says that the only thing they have to worry about with Glory, because she's in her human form, therefore she's limited in her power, she's still immortal, invulnerable, and insane. Living in this world is seriously affecting her mental state as well. She's only able to keep her mind intact by extracting energy from us, from the human brain. And Tara says she's a brain sucker. And I was like, <laughs> do you see my note here? I do. I do. I said, Kara, this is a type of suck job. <laughs> that is, I is thought unique. we had left that behind when Riley left. No, no. This suck job is unique to glory. And Tara is sp- particularly sensitive to it i don't know why you will be hearing once again from (laughs) hr staff we had a conversation about this decide to form i love sitting down with hr to talk about my use of the words suck job and bite sex (laughs) so giles says that she absorbs the energies that bind the human brain into a cohesive whole once drained all that's left behind is and buffy says crazy people Oh my. And Giles says, which is why there's been a marked increase in the ranks of the mentally unstable in Sunnydale. And Tara, again, like she just takes this very seriously. She's like, you know, at least vampires just kill you. So let's think about Tara for a second here. We don't know what's going to happen later in this season, obviously. Uh, But she's very worried about this, the suck job 
<laughs> that Glory does to these people in Sunnydale. And I'm thinking back to family, right? Because that was Tara's episode uh, and how she was mind controlled in a lot of ways by her family, right? She she was indoctrinated into this idea that the women in her family need to be controlled by the men and that they're evil. So I was just trying to think of like, why is Tara so upset about this? Possibly because it just stems back to the fact that she didn't have full control of the way she lived her life until very recently. I also think Tara just has a lot of empathy for people. And she's a little bit less jaded than the Scoobies when it comes to all of this bad stuff happening to people around them. So I think Tara is representing the viewer here, right? Where it's like, oh, wow, like this is actually really sad, everybody. Mm hmm. We have to take a second and not just call them crazy people. We have to think about them as people <laughs> that um, were attacked. So Buffy says we need to stop her, right? And Willow and Tara, they're going to do some tactical spells. Anya is going to do more research. And Anya says it's because she knows way more about demon dimensions than Giles does. And Giles like looks at her and she's like, well, I do. And I was like, yeah, true. <laughs> it's true. So... Xander asks about the key. Glory's looking for the key. Tara says, yeah, we should find out what, what, what it does and more about it. Buffy and Giles are so uncomfortable because no one in the Scooby gang can keep a secret. So they're just like looking at each other. They're like, oh, no, no. And, um, and Buffy's like, you know, let's not worry about that. <laughs> and Willow's like, no, they have a point because whatever Glory's planning on opening with the key, I'm guessing it won't be filled with candy and flowers. So they want to start looking for the key. So Buffy just says... Yeah, Giles and I know where it is. And Xander says, you what? And Whittle's like, you know, and you didn't tell us? And Kara, like, I don't know if you felt this way. I got annoyed. I got annoyed that they are so, like, adamant that they should have known. And you and I talked about this back in, was it No Place Like Home or the episode that came after that? Um, when Giles and Buffy talked in her living room, they asked, like, should we tell the others? And Buffy said, no, they're going to be weird about it. Well, this episode, we're going to find out <laughs> if they're going to be weird about it. And I'm thinking odds are yes, they're going to be weird about it. So she was right. <laughs> also, Willow should not be throwing stones here because lest we forget, Willow has been keeping Giles' secret this mm. whole season mm -hmm. about how originally before he got sucked into that magic shop life. Uh, he was planning to leave and yeah. go back to jolly old England, deported or not. Um, and he told Willow because apparently he thought Willow was the most mature of all the Scoobies and she could handle his uh, the adulting of this all. I don't know about that. Sorry to question your judgment, child. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, know about that. So Willow still has that secret, even if it's no, maybe no longer relevant. But, you know, Willow, you of all people should understand that sometimes... Yes, I, I'm sympathetic to this idea that lies of omission are still lies, but like we don't have to tell everybody in our friend group every single thing. Sometimes we have to compartmentalize things. And yeah, that can make things awkward when things come out, you know, that we when we don't intend them to. And yeah, sometimes that results in hurt feelings. But at the same time, it's like this is just part of navigating being an adult in a circle of friendships. Yeah. And I, I remember when we had that conversation, and I think you and I both said, you know what, the Scoobies do deserve to know. And I think that's more or less what Giles is, what, what Xander and Will are saying here, because Giles says, like, we had our reasons. And Buffy says, if Glory knew what that you guys knew, you know, it just put you in more danger. And Xander says, as opposed to the other kind that we're always in, and Will says, you should have said something. So 
I, I see the point, right? I, I think on my end, <laughs> I got annoyed because I was, they're so like, what? Like you didn't tell us. And I'm like, okay, but there was good reasons for that. Just like when we got annoyed with Riley, when Riley's like, you didn't tell me any of this stuff. You don't tell me secrets. And we're like, yeah, Buffy doesn't tell you shit. I do see Xander and Willow's point where they're like, hey, we've been in this since the beginning. We've been in this for five years. All right. Like we do deserve to know. But at the same time, I think Buffy's right. And we're going to see it play out this episode. I think Buffy was right to keep it from them for as long as she could. But Buffy does agree with Willow, right? She says, okay, Giles, it's time. So Buffy says, uh, there's something that you need to know about Dawn. And then we cut to the Knights of Byzantium. I said it right, right? Pretty close. <laughs> they're praying by a fire outside somewhere. And I said they're wearing their full LARPing gear. <laughs> They are really dedicated to the game. Yes. It's it's quite the, the campaign they're playing. So Jinx shows up. Jinx the minion. And he says, you really think he's going to help you? I fear your faith is gravely misplaced. And then, oh my God, Kara, a minion war. <laughs> All these minions come out of nowhere, uh, swing on ropes with their weapons. Swinging from trees, and and they're they're fighting these knights, and the knights the knights take them all out. I don't know what they thought they were doing. It it was it reminded me of Ewoks <laughs> yeah, yeah. from the Battle for Endor, where it's like, I mean, the Ewoks were much more competent. But yeah, I was watching this sequence, and I'm just like, I can't wait to hear Steph's thoughts on this because I know you're very pro minion. I am. But yeah, uh, they they need more training. I also like how if you watch closely, right when they cut to the stunt doubles. The stunt doubles are noticeably like taller than the regular minion actors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's not much of a battle, really. The minions get taken out very quickly. And at one point, one of the knights is about to kill Jinx. And Glory reaches out her hand, stops the sword, and says, never send a minion to do a god's work. And she knocks that knight back and starts killing all the other knights. And the knight tries to grab his sword, but Glory picks it up and says, nice sword. Bet it hurts. Cut to credits. That was long. Yeah, that was a very long intro. What I want to say is I think, I fear that Drag got murdered in this battle. Mm -hmm. Like, for some reason, the show decided Jinx is better than Drag. It's not true. And, <laughs> like, like I don't know why they would do this to my favorite character because... Thank, thanks for uh, being a Drag truther there. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. He was better. He made an impression. And Jinx is not nearly as grovelly as drag <laughs> so i'm upset uh let's go to the back to the magic shop outside at willow and tara are pouring sand all over the street they're doing some sort of spell work dawn approaches them and she asks if they're doing a spell willow says yeah they're doing a an early warning incantation if anything hell goddishly powerful comes within 100 feet of the shop screechy siren things will screech and tara says this should give us a heads up so we can hide uh the the key <laughs> And they already put one up outside Don's house. So Don wants to help them, but Tara and Willow are so awkward about it. And Willow's like, meh, Buffy wouldn't like the, the Black Arts bumping auras with the littlest Summers. And Don's like, whatever, because she's a teenager and I love it. And she goes inside. Oh. And Tara says, how can she not be real? And Willow's like, she's real. She's just kind of new and willow throws the rest of the sand on the ground and the incantation disappears so the, the spell is now lit well and, and dawn's also a very young teenager right like she's just coming out of being a preteen and those those are the not only the most hormonal years but also like 
the bitchiest years yes. where it's like <laughs> especially towards younger adults like tara and willow in their late teens early 20s where it's like you're starting to age out of that cool zone mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and if you're if you show any signs of being responsible whatsoever the preteens will turn on you fast oh, yeah it is a delicious age i must say <laughs> that 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 12 to 17 range so yeah um again this is proving buffy's point and my point that the the scoobies are just awful at at being chill <laughs> so there's one example inside the magic shop don goes to xander and anya and asks about the research xander starts like poking don right he's like oh how's you like you know how's my sweet fancy don and poking her as if like is she real like I, ugh. Anya just looks at her and says you make a really pretty little girl <laughs> so Xander's like okay Anya you want to help me with that thing and Anya says Xander needs help with that thing and she's like they're so awkward and they walk away and Dawn notices so Buffy and Giles come out of the back room I, I'm assuming they were training Giles is writing in his diary and Dawn notices that Giles is writing in his diary. Buffy asks how school was. Dom was like, you know, big square building with boredom and despair. Buffy's like, ah, yes, just as I remember it. And we notice that Giles puts the book away behind the counter somewhere. So Dawn asks Buffy for help for her homework. And Buffy says, okay, in a bit, I got stuff to do. And Dawn asks if it's about glory. And Buffy says, no. And Don says, like you tell me anyways, Don's too young and Don's too delicate. And I think you're freaking out because you have to fight someone who's prettier than you. And Buffy says, glory is evil and powerful and in no way prettier than me. <laughs> I love that reaction. <laughs> me too. So good. So is is glory prettier than Buffy? No, they're different kinds of pretty. There's there's no comparison ah, here, right? Like you, they're, you're both beautiful women. Um, to each their own. I mean, they're they're both blonde white women, so yeah. I have trouble telling them apart. It's just I can always tell who Glory is because she's wearing red. Yeah, she's always wearing red. Glory has beautiful curly hair. Buffy has a beautiful luscious hair. Both beautiful women. I, I cannot pick which one is prettier. Good job you passed the feminism test, Steph. <laughs> let's not pit women against each other. No, let's celebrate both of them <laughs> and bash Xander. That's, that's yes. what we're here to do. So Dawn says, I think you're getting soft in your advanced age. She didn't look that tough to me. Cut to Glory's condo where she has that night chained up to her ceiling. And she's always obviously been torturing him. And she's asking him where the key is. Hot. Very kinky. Yeah, very kinky. I'm getting, I'm getting strong Drusilla vibes here. This is a very interesting scene because, I mean, I don't think we've ever been indicated in any way that Glory has human urges. She she hits up on her minions a lot, but I don't know. She has the shopping urge. <laughs> she does. I don't know. Maybe someone else can interpret this scene for me because it was weird for me because what she's doing is, you know, she she's... Got this guy kink, yeah, it's like kinky, like tied up, and she's circling him and touching him, and he's like, "I die a thousand deaths before I tell you anything," <sighs> and she's like, "You don't need a, uh, you don't need a thousand, sweetie. I'll make the first one last." And then she's like, "What's with oh. you religious types? It's it's intimacy, isn't it?" So that's when she starts like touching up on him and like walking around, being like, "Just relax, like don't you know, don't be afraid." You may not have the info I want, but you still have something I need. And then she sticks her fingers in his brain and does a suck job on him. So, <laughs> so yes, it, I don't. I was like, are we supposed to read this as like 
sexual because he's like a I, yes man. i think we are Ooh, here's my take on it we, i was kind of talking about this last week <laughs> we're recording this on an accelerated schedule but i was talking about this in checkpoint right where it's like glory in her human form is just kind of a projection of glory onto this dimension right so everything all of her feelings her drives are mediated through her embodiment as a human being does glory experience sexual desire and arousal and attraction the same way a so-called typical human woman would probably not however i think that her human body experiences things right like physical stimuli which then she has to process and also she sees her sexuality as the way that she's presenting as a human female as just another tool right so she herself may not experience sexual attraction the way that some of us feel it however she understands as much as she can understand human psychology from her twisted point of view that you know she can deploy sex and sexuality the same way that she can deploy physical force or intimidation or you know shopping <laughs> um so so she's using sex and sexuality as a tool here um now whether or not that's a good thing in terms of how the writers are portraying her i don't know um but i, I do think it's interesting yeah and i don't know maybe i'm reaching here but because of the way he's obviously like not consenting you know he's like i will die here instead of whatever you're trying to do to me like can we kind of see what she's doing here is a little bit rapey I mean, she she sucked his brains out. <laughs> she, yes, a hundred percent. This is it's mind rape, right? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's mm, interesting, interesting. She has literally she has assaulted him in so many ways yeah. at this point, Steph. I know, but it's like it's that that sexual element to it when I when it's like yeah, yeah. she's 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 beating him. Sexual up. torture would be assault for yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So I didn't think too hard on this, but now that we're here, I was just like, wait a second. <laughs> All right, so at Buffy's house, the party is on and she's opening presents and Anya is like, this is extremely suspenseful. I want the presents. And Willow and Tara got Buffy a nice dress, right? And Willow says, we figured less killy, more frilly <laughs> for the presents. And Anya's like, oh, it's so lovely. I wish it was mine. And she's like, well, you were all thinking the same thing. And Giles says a joke. Giles says, I'm fairly certain I wasn't. I've got one just like it. <laughs> I don't. I, I know Anya is just supposed to be funny in this scene, but I don't like how the writers are once again being like, "Ha ha, Anya doesn't understand how humanity works. Anya doesn't have human emotions the way we do." And you know, we talk a lot about neurodivergence and how various characters can be read as neurodivergent, and Anya in particular seems to be coming across as autistic. And it's like, again, it's hard to criticize the show for this kind of portrayal in that sense because that's not what was going through the writers heads but it's, it's just like yeah there are people like anya who are autistic or otherwise who act in this way and we shouldn't be laughing at them for it i agree and i think this scene would have benefited from one line from anya for her to say i don't have a birthday right like she doesn't have mm. an actual birthday to celebrate that's why she's so invested yeah they should have offered this. to throw her a party come on people. So, come on Come on. So I think that would have, you know, saved this a little bit. So so 
Dawn gives Buffy her present, and it's a picture of Dawn and Buffy when they visited their dad, that piece of shit Hank, uh, in San Diego, I don't know, last year or something. Uh, and she had crafted the, the frame itself out of shells that they picked on the beach together. And Buffy says, I remember. And everyone looks so devastated because it's a fake memory. They all know now like that didn't actually happen. But we remember that that happened. And Dawn obviously doesn't know any better. And it's very touching. It's a very touching kind of present. So Buffy says thank you and like hugs her. And, and she's teary-eyed. And her and Joyce look at each other let's cut to the kitchen where joyce giles and buffy are just openly discussing glory again because because fuck secrets i guess <laughs> and don is of course eavesdropping again in the next room and buffy's like what are you doing and she's like i'm just getting plates it's cake time so stop having these open conversations please <laughs> if you really don't want don to know anything stop number two i love how much Joyce and Giles screen time we're getting this season. Right. There, there's so many scenes of the three of them. I love it. But there's also so much Scooby time in this season. Yes. And this is something I noticed. Yeah, it's be it's better. It's back to kind of the old days when they were always hanging out and conversing in the library, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's nice. And on the, on the subject of not talking openly, come on, people. <laughs> Create a text chain like the rest of us so that Dawn can discover your secrets when she looks through your phone. Yes, like the rest of us do. <laughs> Come on. So Dawn walks into the living room where Anya, Xander, Willow, and Tara are all hanging out quietly. And Dawn freaks out because, you know, they're giving off a weird vibe. I didn't get that weird vibe in this particular scene. Like, I've seen it in like earlier that day, but like here I didn't. She just kind of flipped out. But Dawn says, why does everybody start acting all weird when I'm around? And Xander's like, me? Me not weird. And Dawn says, I'm not an idiot. I know you're talking about me. And Xander says, we really weren't. And Anya says, we were talking about sex. And Buffy, Joyce, and Giles enter the room. And Dawn says, they were talking about me just like everybody is. Xander denies it. Anya says, we were talking about sex. I mean, you know us. Sometimes we like to pretend stuff. Firemen, a shepherd. <laughs> and let's just pause there, Kara. I know you want to. Um, I find it very funny that they they <laughs> role play shepherds. <laughs> but So my question is, do they role play firefighter and shepherd at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> was the pasture on fire like what i i need more i don't yeah. want more details but i need more details. i need more details i i like to picture it as like um you know bible times where there's a shepherd and there is a fire and so there's like a shepherd fireman i don't know i don't know but it's really funny visual but buffy doesn't find it funny she says let's not exchange these images right now <laughs> That, that's also the phrase that Buffy uses on the text chain when people are sending too many gifts. Yes. She's like, all right, all right, like dial it back. Dawn says, of course, can't let Dawn hear anything. Fine. I'm just going to go to bed. That way I won't accidentally get exposed to like words. And she stomps upstairs, slams her door, <laughs> like slams it. She, she's cranking the drama up to an 11. I and love I it. love it. Oh. Dawn. Such a good portrayal of teenage angst, oh, as you said earlier. Absolutely. Mm. 
chef's kiss. Now I'm getting an idea that in 13 years, I'm going to create a chart and I'll be like, that is like, a, that is like a nine out of 10 in terms of a tantrum from a teenager. <laughs> your, your teenager throws a tantrum and you just sit there and then you hold up a card that says 9.2. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then at the end of the year, we'll, we'll tally it and be like, here's your score for this year. You do, you, you've, you've assembled like a little video montage of like, here's your best meltdown. Slam, 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 slam. Like the door just over and over again. I'm going to be a bully. I'm a bully. I'm a bully. Oh my god. No, but like it's gonna be a pageant mob. You're gonna be like one of those mobs who's weirdly into one thing her teenager does. In this case, melt it down. My obsession with their meltdowns. Um <laughs> I wanna be a cool mom. I mean I don't care if you guys drink downstairs, just as long as you're in the house. <laughs> I'm a cool mom. <laughs> oh god. Alright, alright. So she freaked out, and then Dawn gets an idea, an awful idea. And she decides to climb down the guard. I call it a garden gate. I don't know what they're called. The, the gates that go up along your house. She climbs down it. And I was like, Joyce, the fuck? Like, if you don't want your your daughters to sneak out the house anymore, don't give them ways to climb out their window. Just right I, I there. Think maybe Buffy put that there for her own ease. I mean, remember, Joyce has been off her game for a while now. So maybe Joyce just hasn't noticed. Also, <laughs> maybe Joyce put it there. Maybe it's for Joyce to sneak out for sex with Spike. Oh, like Joyce needs an excuse to sneak out. She's like, I'm going outside. Deal with it. And I just, I need to hammer my point home here, Kara. This is why you shouldn't have told the Scoobies because you know what? I get that you were pissed at Buffy for keeping it from you earlier in this episode. But what happened as soon as you found out? Dawn realizes you're being weird, which is going to lead to Dawn finding out she's the key the very same day. So Buffy was right. You and I were right. Screw you, Scoobies. <laughs> so Dawn's in the backyard. Who does she run into? Spike smoking a cigarette. He basically lives there now. <laughs> I know. How long has he been there? Question, questions. She says, lurk much? And he says, I wasn't lurking. I was standing about. It's a whole different vibe. <laughs> He's not wrong. Yeah, Angel fair. was is so good at lurking, and we knew he was lurking because he's so intense. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> lurking implies you're kind of like just inside the shadows. Yes, and about to step out. Yes, yeah, standing about is more like loitering. Yes, he's loitering exactly. <laughs> um, and Don notices that he's got a present for Buffy, and I, I could be wrong here, Car, but I'm pretty sure it's the same box of chocolates that he had oh, weeks it totally ago. Is. Yeah. <laughs> That he was going to apologize to her Which with. means it's not only beat up, as Dot observes, yeah. but it's also probably stale at this point. <laughs> yeah. Which is so funny. So Don has a right to mock him for this. And Spike says, shouldn't you be tucked away in your Betty by all warm and safe where nothing can eat you? And he's trying to scare her. And she laughs at him and she says, is that supposed to scare me? Sorry, I'm badder than you. <laughs> She says, you're standing in the bushes hugging a bent box of chocolates. Yeah, so Spike, you don't know what you're getting into here because, as I said earlier, like there, there is nothing more crushing to an adult's <laughs> ego than the insults slung at them by a teenage girl. Oh. 14 or 15-year-old girls are the most terrifying monsters in existence. Oh, absolutely. I think, I remember when I was 15, it was like my mission to tear down my mother for what reason right for for and for what just just because i could <laughs> it's a power uh, that i they have. i you know i have personal experience with this as a teacher these days i teach adults of course 
Um, but you know, when I first started my teaching career, I was like 23 years old teaching young English children. So they make fun of you in their accent. <laughs> um, no. and it, it's like, you know, devastating. Like every quip is just like, mm, right to the harsh. Yeah. They know, they know where to get you. It's, it's a skill set that only they have because that's the only power they have. Right. Power. It, it's power. She has it, we don't. <laughs> she has we don't buffy taught us that last episode but it's so true and like when you are that young you have control over literally nothing except how mean you can be (laughs) so anyway spike walked right into that right and spike says um what are you doing sneaking out to braid hair and watch teletubbies with your mate and does everyone know what teletubbies is Right? I was yeah. going to be like, how does Spike know about Teletubbies? What is Spike watching on that TV? Does his TV only get, like, the one channel? So, like, during the day, because he can't go outside, he's stuck watching children's <laughs> like pre- shows? Yeah, like, a preschool um, shows. Kara, uh, give us a history with Kara and tell us a little bit about Teletubbies. Honestly, I don't know that much because they're a little bit... Um, they came on just after I was aged out of that demographic. So I never really watched Teletubbies myself. I know one of them's named Poe. Oh, it's Tinky Winky, Dipsy, La La, Poe. <laughs> Those are their names. <laughs> I watched it. I don't care if I was aged out. <laughs> sure. Okay. Good job. I was more of a Pokeroo kind of person. Oh, so. the Pokeroo. Love that show. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, as far as I know, Teletubbies is still a thing. So good for them, so. I guess. I think so. But yeah. I think I, all, all I know is more of kind of the mockery of it, where it's like people would parody Teletubbies. There were both satirical and serious suggestions that the Teletubbies were, you know, like unhealthy uh, for children. You know, it's like, oh, you know, these large... Uh, thinking about it now, it's like, oh, okay, this is just, once again, fat phobia. Mm. Um, but it's, you know, there's something about like, oh, they're unsavory. Um, yeah, and, and it's... there was also a lot of talk about one of them. I don't know which one, maybe Tinky Winky, uh, was gay. And that was a big issue. Right, so right? there was some homophobia there as well. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, but it's a kid show. It's, it's um, for kids, it's for babies. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, Spike knows about that. Dawn says that she's breaking into the magic st- shop to steal stuff and her expression when she says that oh michelle trachtenberg i don't care like we you're welcome to criticize her for any other reason but her facial expressions are just so on point she does the way she looks you know she's kind of dressed up a little bit more sophisticated than she needs to be um and she's just rolling her eyes and her arms are crossed and you're just like okay girl yeah she's she's nailed this part uh yeah, let's give kudos to Michelle because I think she actually is fantastic in this episode. As annoying as she has to be, she pulls it off, right? So Spike says, whole lot of beasties between here and there. Bet they'd really go for a little red riding hood like you. Wouldn't sit well with big sister. So this is interesting. So on one hand, he says, little red riding hood. Remember on Buffy's last birthday, no, maybe not the last one, and Helpless in season three, there was that whole Red Riding Hood connection that you and I were confused about. We're like, what is going on? But like, here it is again. He's bringing it up, that little girl with the red hood and a beast following her. And then he also brings up, wouldn't sit well with your big sister. So everything's always about Buffy, of course. So I think Spike's doing some calculations in his head right now. He's like, okay, I've got a situation here. I could be a hero. <laughs> I could do something good here. So Don says, I can take care of myself, but she's obviously scared. So she says, 
want to go steal some stuff and we immediately spikes like y'all right and they go and i have to say like i'm loving the pairing i love how they keep pairing spike with different characters because they always have chemistry and the same is true here where yeah it's just like clearly spike's trying to impress buffy by protecting or looking out for dawn or whatever um but it you know it's also very cute (laughs) it's cute that and because we have to remember, right, that we aren't used to Dawn and Spike interacting. But as far as both of them are concerned, they've been interacting for the last, what, three years mm-hmm. since Spike has been in Sunnydale. So, like, Dawn was here for the whole Spike's bad and evil and, you know, be afraid of him. And now it's like Spike is a toothless puppy. I think this is a good reminder that this dynamic between them isn't a new thing. It's like this has been their dynamic for the past year. Yes, And I will also add that I like Spike in this episode. I'll probably have one or two things to say about him, but I think overall I find him interesting. I think he's, he's, he's got a good arc in this episode, particularly good, good scenes for him. So they arrive at the magic shop where Spike is trying to pick the lock. And once again, Dodd's like, you know, making fun of him. She's like, are you sure you know how to do this? And he's like, yes, come on. He finally gets it. He says, Oh, who's bad now? He's <laughs> so would. proud. Of Poor guy just needs a win. It's good. <laughs> so Dawn says, you know, she's not just here to steal random stuff. Uh, she has a plan. She's looking for a book and the information inside it. She wants to read Giles's diary. <gasps> Don't we all? <laughs> so she goes behind the counter and she finds, you know, wherever Giles stashed his notes, takes out the book. Um, and so we cut to them. You know, clearly some time has passed. Uh, they're sitting by candlelight on the floor of the magic shop reading Giles' diary. Spike is smoking. Okay, I had to... <laughs> we, we, we are going to find out what Dawn finds out in Giles' diary. But imagine he was just talking shit about Dawn. <laughs> this is why you got to be careful when you read people's texts, when you go onto their imagine phones. Imagine if he's detailing his sexual encounters with Joyce. <laughs> like, like, careful what you wish for. You don't know what you don't know, you know? so <laughs> Right? <laughs> Kids, this is why you have to be careful not to go through your parents' stuff. Don't snoop too hard. Some things are better left unknown. <laughs> so Spike is getting a little bored, a little antsy. He gets up, he wanders around the shop uh, while Don is reading about what everybody's found out about Glory. Spike notices the troll hammer from Triangle. He's like, ooh, troll hammer. And he goes to lift it. And he can't because it's so heavy. Um, that I think Buffy can lift it, but otherwise I don't think anybody else can. Yeah. Which, you know, implies like what happens when Giles needs to move to clean or something? <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> Does he have to call Buffy? Yeah. Um, but so Spike's like trying to lift it and he can't, so it's hilarious. Because Dawn's not paying attention, so she doesn't see this fail, fortunately. Otherwise, it would be all over the YouTubes if YouTube were a thing back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dawn's reading about the key, which is energy that the monks can transform. And you can see the wheels in her brain turning. And she's like, hmm. She says, only those outside reality can see the key's true nature. And Spike helpfully interprets that as, oh, you're run-of-the-mill lunatics. (laughs) And Dawn's flashing back to all of these people she's encountered who have had a mental health issue and have treated her quite differently and said things like, you don't belong, what are you? And so she continues to read, the key is susceptible to necromanced animal detection, particularly those of canine or serpent construct. <laughs> Giles, Giles, just who say, are you trying to impress? Giles, just say snakes can see her. 
<laughs> and fear her. Flashback to the Cobra demon. Yeah. Freaking out over Don. Ah, there it is. Right. Rest in peace, Cobra demon. Oh, Cobra demon. Oh, I love you so much. We miss you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> going to look for the key being scared by the key being like oh my god i didn't know it was a teenage girl she's gonna mock me remember the cobra demon just just didn't want any of that like he just <laughs> wanted to be left alone day. he just wanted to be left alone in the zoo uh, oh dear so spike finally gets tired of hearing giles talk so he takes the book he starts reading He's like, oh, the monks have the ability to transform energy, bend reality, blah, blah, blah. Giles writes as bad as he talks, doesn't he? <laughs> so he goes on and saying, oh, the monks managed to accomplish the task. They had to be certain the Slayer would protect it with her life. So they sent the key to her in human form, in the form of a sister. <gasps> Dramatic reveal. Spike looks at her and he's <laughs> very unfazed. He's like, I guess that's you, Niblet. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, oh, that's you. <laughs> Um, again, good for Michelle for ta- like the, her face, right? Taking in this information or the shock, the shock of it all. Uh, very effective. And yeah, just really funny when Spike kind of looks at her. He's just like, yeah, that I guess that's you. <laughs> so let's cut to the summer's home because Willow is asking Buffy about Riley like anyone gives a shit. And um, was expecting to hear from him. And Buffy's like, no, I wasn't. And it's time to start a new tradition birthdays without boyfriends it could be so much fun and will says preach it to the choir baby <laughs> and tara says oh my god because behind buffy dawn is standing there and she has an enormous butcher's knife could not have found a bigger knife and she cut her hand in her arm and it's bleeding and she says is this blood so everyone freaks out joyce and buffy run to her buffy says what did you do and dawn says this is blood isn't it it can't be i'm not the key i'm not a thing who am I? Am I real? Am I anything? And then she starts to cry and Joyce pulls her into a hug. And this is heavy. This is really yeah, heavy. I, I, yeah, I just want to take a moment yeah. and pause and just kind of before we barrel forward with the rest of the scene or jokes or whatever jokes <laughs> to acknowledge, like you said, the heaviness. Make some space for a moment for any of our, any of our listeners who when they were watching this episode, if they were rewatching with us, might have been potentially triggered. My question here, because I know cutting was a thing for those of us who came of age around this time. Um, but I don't necessarily remember cutting being talked about or portrayed in TV shows that much. So I guess kind of my question for you, Steph, is do you remember that? Am I just misremembering or... Like these days, I don't think a scene like this would really be so shocking because we have um, a lot more TV shows that portray, for better or for worse, um, these kinds of self-harm. But I, it was less talked about back then. So I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't recall any storyline from that time period where they dived into this at all. It's almost like it was whispered behind the scenes, like cutting. And that was something that we yeah. grew up with. Um, I remember recently, more recently, the last like couple years when 13 Reasons Why came out with that right. suicide scene. And that's the first time I remember the media really jumping on, discussing 
the visual of that the quote-unquote ec- epidemic of it yeah you know going around especially for teenage girls and stuff and you know those of us who are in our 30s now are like um hello we were talking about that in the 2000s like yes yes yeah. yes ah <sighs> so yeah this is a serious thing and you know like i think it'd be very easy to make jokes here about things like oh it's the biggest knife ever right like yeah. And, and yeah like people who get more seriously into self-harm um, we'll start being a lot more subtle about it, right? Because it's a, an ongoing coping strategy for them. But, you know, I think Dawn in this case, I'm trying to phrase this very carefully because I don't want to accidentally imply that everybody who self-harm, self-harms is doing it for attention. But I think Dawn in this case is acting out because she she needs... Buffy to see her in this moment. Yeah. She's been trying to tell Buffy that something has been wrong for a couple of episodes now, right? Ever since almost the first episode of the season where she encountered that guy outside the magic box. And because Buffy has been so hyper-focused on protecting Dawn, aka the key, she hasn't been listening to Dawn as much as all kind of self-harm can be thought of as a cry for help in some way, this particular case, I think, is very much Don being like, I have to do something dramatic because these adults are not listening to me. And when you think of it from that perspective, you know, I just want to put myself in Don's shoes. I feel really sorry for her. I feel really sorry that the Scoobies have been so wrapped up in everything else that's going on that they haven't for a moment sat down and thought, Gee, you know, even if Don doesn't realize that she is the key, even if she's not possibly overhearing any of the conversations that we're having because we suck at OPSEC, maybe we should just, you know, check in with her, see how she's doing, given that she was nearly attacked by a cobra demon. Um, and Harmony. You know, her mom almost died. Harmony kidnapped her. Like, maybe we should think about therapy for her. And, and there really hasn't been a lot of that. And I can excuse Joyce, and I can even really excuse Buffy with everything that she's been dealing with. But Giles, you knew the score. And Scoobies, you might not have known that Dawn's the key. You remember her being around for a long time now, right? And it's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to be too harsh on anybody. I'm just saying, like, I, I can really empathize with what Dawn is going through in this moment. And this is a very dramatic gesture. But I, I think, you know, the show is walking a very fine line here of like, we're not trying to make this seem over the top, but it has to be big. Yeah. And again, they're touching on a very serious issue, but they're not going to dive into it. And that's, you know, the show we've, we know this show is true, is so good, good at doing that, right? Here's a little, we'll dangle it in front of you, an issue, but we're not going to actually do an episode about it. I'm actually very moved when Joyce hugs her. Joyce grabs her, pulls her right. to her, and and that's when Dawn says, am I anything? And it's just, I'm like, the, the acting is really good, but I find that very moving. So I think that is an, an appropriate response to what Dawn has done here, her big dramatic gesture, as you said. As you're talking about that, I was thinking back to storylines. I was trying to remember um, anything at the time period. And that's another thing that we need to talk about with this age this age category and what I mean by power like we made a joke about it earlier but um again that 12 
to 18 time range. It's just, it's, it, there's a lot going on with your development in that time. And I remember there's a movie called 13. And you and I talked about this because the same director did Twilight. So when we did our Twilight uh, bonus episode, we talked about 13 a little bit. But um, in that movie, the girl cuts herself. And that came out around this time, for sure. So there's something about uh, media at the time telling stories, but using that age group of 12 to 15 year olds who are cutting themselves. And I don't think that's a coincidence that that Dawn, who is 14 years old, that they gave her this little tiny storyline here. So I just wanted to tie that in. So so maybe this was kind of one of the beginning points for mm-hmm. our media to start discussing this more. Okay, interesting. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I don't, you know, quote us on that, but I'm just, I saw yeah. the connection there for sure between the ages and the time period. So the Scoobies all leave, right? And Giles offers to stay. He's like, um, I can stay and help. Um, just like that time when Joyce found out that Buffy had sex and Giles is like, should I stay? And Willow's like, do you want to stay? <laughs> It's not the same. It's not the same. But like, it's, it's no, the vibe is the same. No, now he's their dad. <laughs> but the, the, I mean, <laughs> this would make more sense in that this is a supernatural thing as opposed to that time where it's like, should I stay and talk to Joyce about Buffy having sex with a vampire? That was also a supernatural thing. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> I'm confused. Um. Anyway, Buffy says this is a family thing. So she goes upstairs. Joyce is with Dawn on. Don's bed and Buffy enters and Don says, why didn't you tell me? And Buffy says, we were going to. And Joyce says, we thought it would be better if we waited until you were older. Do you agree, Kara? We talked about this. Um, If this is supposed to be a metaphor for adoption, then no. If it's about protecting Don and the knowledge that she is the key. I I don't know I don't I don't know what Joyce means by older. Yeah. I think Buffy found out when she already had a lot going on with Joyce being sick and everything and figuring out who Glory was. So again, I am willing to cut Buffy quite a lot of slack with how she's handled this whole situation over the past couple of months. Um, but I think Dawn deserved to know as soon as possible. And I think they really, as I was just saying a few minutes ago, they've really failed to spend time empathizing with Dawn's point of view here. Yeah. And I'll add too that Buffy found out she was a slayer when she was 15. So the time would have been right about mm-hmm. now. So Yeah, but they'd have to find Donald Sutherland to, <laughs> to uh, drop the news on her. <laughs> Donald Sutherland's already dead. So who's going to tell her? All right. Dawn says, how old am I? And Joyce says, you're 14, sweetie. You know that. And Dawn says, when did the monks? And Buffy says, six months ago. So Dawn's like, oh, I've only been alive for six months. Joyce says, you've been alive much longer than that to us. And Dawn says, you don't know that. You don't know anything. I'm just a key, right? Everything about me is made up. Buffy sits next to her and says, mom and I know how you, know what we feel. I know I care about you. I know I worry about you. Dawn says, you worry about me because you have to. I'm your job. Protect the key, right? And Buffy says, I worry because my sister is cutting herself. And Dawn says, how do you know? Maybe it's just another fake memory from my fake family. Get out. Get out, get out, get out. And she like freaks out. So Buffy and Joyce indeed get out. And um, yeah, there, there it is. Buffy acknowledging my sister is cutting herself. And that is as far as the episode will take that storyline i'm glad that they do take it seriously though and they're not like dawn honey you know you're overreacting 
I, I think they're doing their best to treat it like the serious issue that it is. Yeah, I agree. So I, again, we're getting a little sprinkle of it. Better than nothing, I think. But um, with with Dawn's outburst, <laughs> you know, get out, get out, get out. I think a lot of people make fun of that because it's it is very angsty. But again, it's just so real. Oh, like, for sure. You lose your, your shit and you start screaming at people. You don't even know what you're saying. You just want them to go away. She has a lot of emotions right now. And a lot, oftentimes, especially when you're young, that comes out in rage. <laughs> like it just does. Yeah. So that is authentic and I get it. And it, yeah, it's screechy. It, it's angsty, but that's what it is. That's how it goes. So the next day, the magic shop, Buffy wants answers about the key, right? She says Dawn deserves to know where she came from. She needs to know or it's going to eat away at her. Uh, Giles is wondering how she got in there. And Anya says, ew, who's been using the urn of Ishtar as an ashtray? And that's when they all know it was Spike. So Buffy storms into Spike's crypt and he's doing his nails on the coffin. <laughs> she rips out the lid from under him and then traps him in the coffin. And she says, how could you let her find out like that from books and papers? You hate me that much. Can I just say, I'm loving how every attempt Spike makes to endear himself to the Slayer backfires so horribly on him <laughs> i know and i find this scene very interesting and again i i actually like this scene for spike i think he's in the right in a lot of ways here my question is why didn't he run to buffy like he obviously brought don home but he didn't come in maybe don was too upset he's like i don't want to be near this up until now, he's been taking every opportunity to show Buffy that he's being a good person, right? He's like, I didn't drink this victim's blood. He, like, he, <laughs> he didn't want to get involved. He didn't yeah. want to touch this. He knew Don was upset. He's like, I don't want to be here for this. That's what I figured. Also, I have a headcanon. You know how so Spike had the box of chocolates, right? He didn't bring that with him to the magic box. So my theory is he dropped it outside Buffy's house. And when Xander and the gang left, Xander found it. He's like, ooh, box of chocolates. And he picked it up and he took it away and ate it because that's the kind of thing Xander would do. Well, we know since Nightmares season one that Xander just picks up chocolate off the ground and just eats it. So, yeah, that makes right? a lot of sense. Um, I'm with you on that theory. So Spike says, I was just along for the ride. Not like I knew she was a mystical, glowy key thing. <laughs> Nobody tells me. No one keeps me in the bloody loop, do they? And Buffy says, you could have stopped her. And Spike says, oh, here it comes. Something goes wrong in your life. Blame Spike. Newsflash, Blondie. If Kid Sis wants to grab a midnight stroll, she'll find a way sooner or later. Just thought she'd be safer with Big Bad looking over her shoulder. And Buffy just stares at him, right? And she says she shouldn't have found out like that. And Spike says, you didn't think you'd keep the truth from her forever, did you? Maybe if you had more had been more honest with her in the first place, you wouldn't be trying to make yourself feel better with a round of kick the spike. And Buffy leaves. And I hate to say it, but I agree with Spike. <laughs> yeah, he's got a point. He's got, he's got a really good point. Um, number one, he didn't know. He, I, how am I going to how am I supposed to know that she's like some sort of key? Number two, um, Spike is looking to break and enter whenever he can. So, of course, that's, that sounds like a good time to him. Number three, he was looking out for Dawn. However, we know he was doing that for selfish reasons. He wanted to look good in Buffy's eyes. Right. Now that he knows that <laughs> Dawn is upset and then she found out a huge secret that no one that he that Spike knows she shouldn't know. That's why he didn't enter the house. Right. He's like, oh, shit, I fucked up again. But more importantly, Buffy is taking out her frustration and Buffy's choice that backfired on Spike. And that's true. And that's why I think Spike's in the right here. 
Well said. We're now back to Don's bedroom. So Don's now lying in bed and Joyce knocks. Joyce knocks. Good call, Joyce. Comes in, says, you're going to be late for school. Don says, I'm not going. Blobs of energy don't need an education. <laughs> yes, they do. Oh, so salty. <laughs> Joyce is like, oh, well, I can make you soup. <laughs> and Joyce. Don's like, I'm not sick. <laughs> I'm not anything. Don't tell me what to do. You're not my mother, which. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I sure oh. staff at this point. You must be like huffing the TV. Classic. Huffing the TV. <laughs> Just sucking it in. Oh, my in. God. You need, you need like a, a bingo card for when your teenage <laughs> daughter freaks out where you're like, you're not my mother. Check. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are some other common phrases? Yeah. You don't know how this feels. Uh, get out of my room. <laughs> like there's so yeah. many that I could use. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I love it. Um, so Dawn gets up and she says, I changed my mind. I would rather be at school. And she grabs her school stuff and she takes off. And good for Joyce for trying. Honestly, I, I really feel Joyce's love for Dawn here. She's doing her best to show Dawn. Yes, this is like really hard news to hear, but I'm your mother. <laughs> right? I love you. I, I can make you soup. Can... Everything's going to be fine. Joyce, why soup? Waffles, Joyce. Waffles are going to keep her home. And talking soup to in you. a bag. Um, soup in a bag. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Dawn, before you leave, <laughs> don't forget your, your bag of food. Um, all right, let's get to sexy Ben. Ben, the intern, is giving out pills uh, in the mental ward at the hospital, and he recognizes the Knight of Byzantium. Why can't I say this word? He knows who he is, and Jinx is there, not drag. Jinx is there and says they've arrived, unfortunately, but not completely unexpected. The numbers are few at the at the moment, but they'll grow. The Knights of Byzantium are like ants. First you see one, then two. Then the picnic's ruined. No matter how many we kill, they'll keep coming wave after wave. It's time to set out animo our animosities aside. Your fate is directly linked to her magnificently scented Glorificus. She's been extremely forgiving of your considerable foibles up until now but if you persist in your def defiance she will be forced and ben says to what what what's she gonna do send a six-pack of minions to bore me to death glory can't lay a finger on me you know it i know it she knows it so save the threats or i'll finish the job i started on your head this is so twisty to me both because it's like okay what is going on between ben and glory at this point right and then also because ever since somebody told us that an older Ben, it, like the actor, is in How to Get Away with Murder. And you, you and I talked about this because you've seen him in that. Mm -hmm. you, you hadn't made the connection. <laughs> um, I started watching How to Get Away with Murder because I needed a new show to watch. And there's a lot of it. And it's ridiculous. Yes. But I can't stop watching. Oh, it's, it's great. Yeah. And so in that show, he plays a character who's very much like in this scene where it's like, you know, confrontations with people. And it's like, what are you going to do? You can't do anything. But there's also like flashbacks in that show to a younger version of his character so it's like the older actor is playing somebody who is as young as he is in this scene right now yeah but he doesn't look this way <laughs> so it was really messing me up i don't know it's funny it's funny i'm really enjoying ben both as a character but also just his acting here because we we don't know exactly what his angle is here but he's doing a good job of seeming super shady yes Yes, and like at the same time, he's not giving in to evil, but Kandara brought up a good point in Checkpoint, right? He still beat up that minion. Like there's obviously darkness. He's also a he's murderer. He's got his own angle. <laughs> yeah, he's he's in it for himself, yeah. right? He, I think he would sell out Buffy if he could see some benefit to himself. Yeah. 
But right now he's like, well, what's the benefit? And since he can't see any, he's like, well, I'm going to keep her safe because she's kind of hot. Yeah. Maybe I can get something out of her, you know? Interesting. Interesting. So <laughs> uh, Dawn's in her room reading her old journals. Downstairs, Buffy and Joyce are again talking about her out loud. You guys. <laughs> are you going to start timing your teenage daughter how long she spent sulking in her room? Oh, absolutely. And then that also tally that up at the end of the year. <laughs> You've spent 15 <laughs> hours this year <laughs> sulking in your room. Uh Joyce doesn't want her to sit up there alone. Buffy says that Dawn needs time. And if I were her, I'd want time. I wouldn't want my mother and sister coming at me from all sides. And Joyce says she got suspended from school. So Dawn went off to school today and got herself suspended for yelling at her teacher. And Dawn chooses this moment to listen to eavesdrop at the top of the stairs. Of course. And Buffy says she feels like she can do or say anything right now. She's not real. We're not her family. We don't even know what she is. And Dawn should have kept listening. She should have, like, when you're going to eavesdrop people, listen to the entire conversation. Don't just jump in and jump out. Because but this is such a TV trope, right? Yeah. Is you mishear and you misinterpret and you start you know you do something based on bad information yes and buffy herself has done that in the past so she goes back into her room and she just starts trashing it because again there's emotions going on here and how do i get them out some like i mean in in darker cases um that's where the, the self-harm I, conversation I mean, comes in yeah this is yeah. this is healthier than self-harm yes. right like stuff can be replaced so i approve maybe not so much of the setting things on fire in a moment but i approve of you know if you feel an extremist, yeah, trash your stuff rather than yourself. So when my kid trashes her room, I'll say, did you talk to Auntie Kara? Did she tell you to trash your room today? I mean, I think you should just be like, I'm so glad you trashed your stuff rather than yourself, right? Absol like, no, absolutely. I mean, like Again, as you're saying, stuff is replaced. And all she's really destroying here, like she pushed her books over, she ripped down some posters, whatever. And then she rips up all her diaries and throws them in the trash. So she's, she's letting it that out. That to me is the most heartbreaking part. I have to be honest, because, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it's tough when you have something that you've spent so much time on to destroy it in that way. I completely agree with you with the posters and other trinkets and stuff. Not great. Not like not important. The the diaries. Oh, that hurt. That hurt a bit. Yeah. And that's also like the diaries are such a part of her. Right. That's like that's how we were introduced to her was through her diary. So her identity is all over the place right now. Joyce is saying that um, you can't talk about Dawn like she's just a thing. And Buffy is saying she's probably feeling those things. Like that's just, that's what I think she's feeling. And Joyce wants to show her that it's not true to know that she's part of the family and that they love her. And Buffy says, we can't fix this with a hug, a kiss, and a bowl of soup. Dawn needs to know where she came from. She needs real answers. Joyce says she needs her sister, not the Slayer. And Buffy says the Slayer is the only thing standing between Dawn and the god from the bitch dimension that wants to shove her in some sort of lock and give her a good twirl. Um... This kind of comes down to what you said earlier, Kara, about Buffy looking out for Dawn's safety and um, preventing any harm from coming from her, but not really considering Dawn's emotional state. And that's where Joyce is coming in. Joyce is saying, no, like we need to shower her with love and show her that nothing's changed for us. She's always our daughter and, and your sister. And Buffy is saying, nah, that's not going to help. We need to give more serious answers and get to the problem. That's like the the external problem of this. So I'm glad both the summer girls are working this out together, really. But the alarms go off and Buffy thinks it's glory. But nope, it's just the fire alarm because Dawn has set 
the garbage pail in her room on fire, and then she took off out through the window. I want to bring up here that I said this at the beginning of the season. I thought that Michelle Trechenberg was miscast in that I thought that Dawn needed to be younger. I think it would have been better if she had been like 10 years old instead of the teenager she is. But now that we're getting this like delicious teenage angst, I'm not <laughs> I'm not so on that that pony anymore. Yeah, the the monks really screwed up. <laughs> but I just saying it, it does if the monks had made her 10 years old, she would be easier to control and she would still they be would raging. Hate- the, the audience would hate her even more, though. Like, you think let's so? Be real. Uh, no, creepy oh, children are the sure. best. I if, she, if this was like a cute little girl that was like 10 years old and like ran away, that's some serious shit. You know what I mean? Uh, I think people would find her too annoying. They'd be like, ah, 10 year old. But that's no hate to what, what Michelle Trechenberg is doing in this episode, because I think this is really effective and good. Uh, but I'm just, I, I kind of lamented. I was like, I still kind of believe that it would have been good if she was younger. I'm I'm on the fence now. I don't know. I think either way. Well, for the next scene, Steph has written in her notes, at the magic shop, Buffy's wearing a fancy jacket. <laughs> she is. Do you know she's wearing like a, a, a Upper East Side New York fancy jacket? I was I was so tired when I was watching this episode last night. I just I do not remember the fashion at all. I'm sorry. Um so anyway, Buffy's talking with the Scoobies and Spike. Uh they're all kind of like discussing well, what's our next move. You know, she's like, she burnt her diaries. And Xander says, not the Dawnmeister Chronicles. Mm. Because, of course, Xander has that kind of big brother relationship with Dawn, where, like, he looks he looks down at her as kind of like, oh, you know, like, you're really cute. And, you know, I, I bet that they probably had a lot of fun together. We kind of glimpsed that earlier in the season because uh, Xander's kind of like a bigger kid, right? Yeah. Um, And it's probably hard on him as she grows up and starts maturing into a teenager because at some point she's going to be more mature than he is. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, one could assume. (laughs) So Willow notes that Dawn has kept those diaries since she was seven. And then there's a bit of a pause as everybody realizes that's kind of a nonsensical thing to say now that they know that she is only a few months old. Mm Mm-hmm. So Buffy says, well, I want to find her before Glory or the Knights of Hack and Slash figure out <laughs> what, who she really is. So Buffy can't say Byzantium either, Steph, so you're not alone. Yeah, me and Buffy relate to each other that way. <laughs> uh, she says, Mom will stay home in case Dawn shows up. Uh, we should split up and sweep the city. So she hands out assignments. Buffy in charge. I love it. She says, Anya, stay at the magic shop. Giles and Xander, take the center of town. Willow and Tara, west side. Spike and I, east side. <laughs> then she's like, just find her, please. Teamwork. <laughs> Dawn is just wandering around, though, eh? She's, she's playground, just looking at flashbacks. Well, she's, she's at the playground. Dawn's having some flashbacks of her, Buffy, whatever. I was having flashbacks to Gingerbread. <laughs> Me where too. this is the site of dinner in a bag. And Joyce showing up and being like, I brought you dinner, sweetie. And then they find the bodies and of the two kids. kids. <laughs> I was thinking that, too. I was like, is she going to find a body? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Sunnydale, so statistically, probably. I mean, we also can't forget that that's also the scene where Angel and Buffy hugged (laughs) after he gave her a pep talk. Lots of good memories here, Dawn. So, okay, this is a weird scene. Xander and Giles are in an alleyway. Giles is looking in, like, trash cans and dumpsters. (laughs) Okay. Xander, like you said, he has a connection to Dawn. 
Um, and he's lamenting how none of that happened. And Giles is saying, like, yeah, it takes getting used to a 14-year-old actually being living energy thousands of years old. And Xander is like, I'm guessing that's kind of super powerful in raw form. And Giles says, people have killed and died for it, summoned armies to control the key. And Xander says, she has a crush on me. <laughs> and Giles says, your point? And Xander says, a powerful being, big energy gal, digging the Xan man. Some guys are just cooler, you know. Giles is disgusted, as am I. As, as are we all. Are we all. Uh, Xander. Shut up, Xander. It's not a flex that this little girl has a crush on you. He's such a perv. Yeah, this is aged She's very 14. poorly. Uh, I don't know what you what you mean by saying that. I'm so glad Giles is like, fuck off and leaves. I also add, Xander, that powerful women have already been into you. And I don't know why you're more excited that the 14-year-old is into you than women like Faith, Cordelia, Anya. How about even the fucking praying mantis teacher or Inca mummy girl? Like, you're creepy and weird. It's a weird thing to say. Joss Whedon. <laughs> Joss, Joss. Anyway, sorry, what? Mm. What was that? <laughs> I think there's a ghost to this podcast. Oh, um, I don't know. I got something in my throat. <laughs> I, got, I, got a, I got a gross infection in my throat. I am completely with you. As much as I was just saying, oh, it's cute that, you know, Xander was close to Dawn. But it's like, yeah, it's cute when it's this platonic thing. And the crush is very like this one-sided thing. And I'm not saying Xander's like inappropriately into Dawn or anything. But the way that he's excited by dawn having a crush on him that's weird yes (laughs) it's inappropriate also i could go another several seasons without hearing the phrase zan man again (laughs) so could giles giles is like oh i wish i'd got paired with willow (laughs) giles is like i wish i'd be deported (laughs) is it too late for the watchers council (laughs) to deport me <laughs> oh dear. Oh. So we cut to another park because Sunnydale has a lot of cemeteries and a lot of parks, a lot of green space in this town. You ever notice? Yeah, for sure. And of course, the five miles of forest between campus and town. <laughs> so Spike and Buffy are wandering. Um, Buffy's all sad. She's now in the emo face. She says, You were right. This is my fault. I should have told her. And so Spike, of course, He's doing that whole thing where it's like, first you rile them up, and then you switch sides really quickly to throw them off balance. Once again, classic pickup artist. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you know, she probably would have skipped off anyway, even if she'd ever found out. She's not just a blob of energy. She's also a 14-year-old hormone bomb. Yeah. Great phrase. <laughs> uh, which one's screwing her up more right now? Spin the bloody wheel. You'll find her just in the nick of time. That's what you hero types do. You'll find her. So he's he's trying his best to be reassuring. It's kind of working. Buffy says, and then what? Yeah. So this is nice to Spike. I, I will say, like, I... I, I <sighs> James Marshall is just really good. He's just really good <laughs> at being genuine because you want to believe that Spike is being genuine here and giving Buffy, you know, some reassurance. Uh, and it seems to work on Buffy a little bit, but... Ah, then I remember what a massive creepster Spike has been all season. And this very day, this very episode, he was outside her house stalking her (laughs) with boxes of chocolates that are way too old for her to eat. Just a few days ago, right? He nagged Buffy so bad about her appearance 
that she lost. He's all over the place, which is another red flag with toxic relationships, right? Yeah. And we've said it before, right? Like abusers and toxic men don't have to be that way all the time. <laughs> so when we get a scene like this, I think some some people swoon. Me, I'm like, yeah, he's being nice here. And sure, sure. But that does not erase what we've just gone through the past season with this guy. You know what's interesting that I, we haven't talked about yet? If Oz were still around for this episode, his reaction to Dawn would have been so precious. Like, I'm so curious oh, yeah, how he would point. interpret that Dawn is a glowy, mystical energy. <laughs> he'd be, yeah, he'd be very chill and philosophical about it. Yes. There'd be like these lengthy silences and he'd say something and they'd be like, Oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I miss Oz. I miss Oz, too. I think he, his presence here, because the Scoobies were so awkward about it. I don't think Oz would have been awkward. I think he would have just been like, oh, hey. <laughs> like, I don't think he would have been phased by this aren't, at all. Aren't we all energy, man? <laughs> right? Sometimes I feel an energy, too, about me. So I get it. I, I, I pick up what Don's putting down. All right. So let's go to the hospital. Dawn walks into the mental ward. I guess she just knows that that's where she's going to go. And anybody can just walk in. Of course. There's no security. So she walks in and all the victims of Glory start uh, freaking out. They're like, you know, can't stop. It's it's here. It's here. Skin's too tight. Empty. All spilled out. And Dawn starts like shouting at one. She's like, you see me, right? Look at me. You know what I am, don't you? You all know. Tell me. What am I? And the knights of Byzantium is there and he says the key good job thank you and Don goes to him and he says I found it the key um <laughs> she says where do I come from who made me what am I and he says destroyer cracked earth and bones the sun bleeding into the sky the key is the link such is the will of God and Don doesn't like that so she runs away straight into sexy Ben <sighs> Ben takes her Kara to the dreaded locker room this man has not been in Sunnydale long enough. So he's gotten her hot chocolate. Dawn says she doesn't like marshmallows. And I was like, um, what? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I take every nice thing I've said about Dawn back. She is a monster. No sympathy. Fuck you, Dawn. <laughs> marshmallows are fucking great. Um, ben asks if her mom is in the hospital again, right? And, you know, um, is there anything, that, anyone she can call, he can call for her, her sister? And Dawn says, I don't have a sister. Ooh. <laughs> I'm sure you've said that a couple of times. <laughs> I don't have a mother. I don't have a sister. She's really getting, we're really getting that Don Mingo card today. Um, ben says, did you have a fight? It's okay. I know how that goes. I got a sister too. They can be a real pain sometimes. Who's he talking about? <laughs> oh. There have been a lot of nights where I wish she never existed. And Don says, it's not Buffy, it's me. I'm the one who doesn't exist. And Ben says, I know it can feel like that sometimes. <laughs> and I really, this made me laugh because like Ben's doing his best to like, oh, you're a teenager, right? You're, you're going through, right. you're going through pain. But if a teenager, like it's a weird thing for a teenager to say, I don't exist. Cause I would be like, wait, go on. Like, wait, you know, like, can we dive into that a bit more? Because, what YouTube channels have you been watching lately? <laughs> because it's one thing for me, like, no one understands me. That's a classic thing that someone would say, right? No one gets who I am. But to say I don't exist and Penn's like, it can feel like that. <laughs> so, oh, bless him. So Don says, no, you don't understand. It's not real. None of this. They made me. I'm nothing. I'm just a thing monks made. So glory couldn't find me. I'm not real. Whoa. Whoa. She's just going to 
just going to share that information willy-nilly? Well, yeah, because she's learned from Buffy that you should just talk about everything. <laughs> or perhaps openly. she's learned she's learned from Joyce. Let anyone in. Tell anyone anything you want. Um, ben freaks out. Obviously, he gets up. He's like, you're the key. Go before she finds you. Don't ask me how. She just always knows. Just go. You don't understand. You're just a kid. You stay. She'll find you. She finds you. She'll hurt you. And... He's like, you're the one you're searching for. He's freaking out. He's freaking out. He's like, oh, God, she's coming. Oh, God. <laughs> and then he grabs her. He grabs Dawn and says, she's here. But when he says she's here, his entire body morphs into glory. And glory says, don't I know you? Ooh. <gasps> oh, my God. Ben and glory. There's a connection. <laughs> I mean, he said sister earlier, so maybe they know each other through family. <laughs> this is such a big deal, though. Yeah. Like, just dropping this reveal in the middle of this episode with everything else that's going on. Yes. Ooh. Wild. Ooh. So Glory's change <sighs> changes into a red dress, obviously. And Dawn says, you're Ben. And Glory says, it's more complicated than that. Family always is. And Dawn considers running, but Glory just warns her, right? I can rip out your spine if I wanted to. And she proves it by moving really quickly in front of Dawn. She's like, what is a Slayer's little sister? Do what? What is she doing here with gentle Ben? And Dawn's like, you don't remember? And Glory says, you were talking to him, not me. So... We can make all the jokes about what the connection is here is all we want. But clearly, Glory and Ben are different people that share the same body or essence, you could say, like the same space yeah, in the world. I, I'm sure the show will fill us in on what exactly is happening here. But yeah, it's like Ben and yeah, Ben and like maybe Glory like is borrowing Ben's body, but then can like reconfigure it. Yeah, I think so, too. So a security man walks in. And tells him to get out of here. And Glory snaps his neck. <sighs> and uh, she says, rude, we were talking. And she drags Dawn away so that they can talk in private. This is the, the time when all the Scoobies decided to meet in this one park. <laughs> no cell phones. No way of reaching each other when they're out there patrolling. But they all met at the same time. And none of them could find Dawn. So Buffy says, we should check the hospital. <laughs> They really should carry walkie-talkies. Oh, yes. Very smart. So Glory has Dawn in a random hospital room, and she's saying, uh, your sister has the key. It's mine. I want it. Do you know where she squirreled it away? There's ice cream and puppy dogs in it for you if she starts singing. And Dawn says, I'm not sure. What does it look like? So Dawn's being sneaky here. She's being sneaky, sneaky. And Glory says, very wistfully, Last time I caught a peep, it was a bright green swirly shimmer. Really brought out the blue in my eyes. Then those sneaky little monks pulled an abracadabra and I couldn't, I, and it could look like anything. Do you see the predicament I'm in? And I paused here because Glory always looks great. <laughs> but particularly her makeup in the scene, I was just noticing she's got like her beautiful highlighter on uh, above, like by her eyebrows. And I was like, mm, great look. She looks great. Yeah, I noticed that too. I really liked it. Yeah, she looks great. So... Don says, maybe if you told me more about it, I'd know if I'd seen it. And at first you think Glory's like on to her for snooping, but then she's like, okay. <laughs> the Scoobies are at the front desk, no Dom, but a chatty man, because this is the chattiest hospital we'll ever, ever encounter in our lives, um, just basically shouts out to everyone as he walks by that uh, the man in the break room, the, the security guard, his head was nearly twisted clean off. And Buffy's like, Glory. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which... What? I mean, you're in a Sunnydale Buffy. It could have been any matter of monster. <laughs> also, Buffy, that was the locker room. Of course the security guard's head was twisted off. So Don is asking how long the key's been around. And Glory is sitting cross-legged across from her like they're being interviewed, right? And she says, not as long as me, but yeah, just a side of forever. And Don asks if it's evil. And I think that's the crux of what Don is worried about with her new found mm. identity. What am I? Am I good or bad? And Glory says, totally. Then she's like, well, not really. I guess it depends on your point of view. And Don says, what's it for? If it's a key, there's got to be a lock, right? And Glory's like, yep. And Don's like, what does it open? And Glory just stares at her. And then she says, I smell a fox in my hen house. Is that why you've been playing sugar and spice with Uncle Ben? Trying to get a peek at Glory's unmentionables. And I said, no, that's Spike. (laughs) (laughs) Zing. (laughs) So Glory is a bit unhinged. And she says, I'm starting to think, I'm starting to think that maybe you don't have any idea where my key is. Very irritating, irrational, like bugs under my skin. She's starting to deteriorate in terms of her sanity again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Gloria says, well, this doesn't have to be a complete waste of my precious time. I have a meaning to send to the Slayer a message, and I could use a little pick-me-up. Two birds, one stone. Boom. You have yummy dead birds. I love Clara Kramer's energy. Once again, she's so good at going from cool and collected and evil and kind of like sinister to smiley and peppy and you know unthreatening to back to being threatening because she's unhinged like just the way that she turns her character on a dime it's so good i I just i don't want to ever pass up an opportunity to talk about her acting chops here because i think she's really you know making this role and I've always been ambivalent about Glory. I've often said she's one of my favorite big bads because she's so delicious. I think she's OP. I think that she, because she's not, like, Buffy is not a threat to her. It can be very difficult in this season to, you know, really have that screen time between the two of them. I think the writers do their best, but I think they struggle sometimes. But I think Glory as a character is just so delicious. And I love her in this scene. Yeah. I agree. She's just really fun to watch. You know, like we we really like usually our villains, we like to watch them ham it up on screen. But Glory is like something special to, to behold. Well, such a change from Adam too, where Oof. he just had very little range. So it was just kind of like, okay, until until Spadam started, I was <laughs> I didn't know what to do with Adam. And the only thing good about uh, Adam was that when he would pop up out of nowhere for his dramatic entrances, like that was the most exciting thing about that guy. <laughs> I mean, this that's what happened in this scene, right? It was just like, boom, glory. Ooh. But she did it better, bigger and better. So Buffy comes in. And she says, get away from my sister. I want to point out, Buffy took her coat off. I don't know if, like, Giles is whole... Like, at some point between the entrance of the hospital and here, there's a coat somewhere. (laughs) And it just... It made me think about how, like, here, right now in Thunder Bay, it's winter, of course. So you're leaving your house in several layers. And so anytime I'm going somewhere, I always have to think about, like, you know, will there be a place I can put my coat if I need to take off my coat when I'm inside? Otherwise, you get too warm. And it's like, do I bring a change of shoes or am I clomping around in my boots all day? Like, all these extra things you have to think about. And here we have Buffy waltzing into this hospital and she's got her coat on and she's clearly thought about like, hmm, I don't want to be fighting indoors with this coat. And so she's like, (laughs) prepared. Yeah, she just hands the coat to one of the Scoobies. That's their job. It's to hold it for her. It's probably Xander. (laughs) 
<laughs> so um puppy says conversation's over hell bitch and she starts to punch her and um yes. Great line. <laughs> i know i know and spike comes in and he tries to fight glory too and spike says i thought you said the skank was tough well he's trying to help buffy right because yeah. he like holds glory from behind so buffy can land some more punches which I mean, good for you, Spike, because at least like last time you were getting in the way and you were like grabbing onto Buffy, right? In the, the bronze fight scene with the troll. He was like kind of groping her as she she was getting up. Uh-huh. So at least he's being more helpful here. Um, it's just not going to help because Glory's too strong. Yeah. And I also don't like, again, hey, you just brought it up too. Like he's been groping her and stalking her and being gross. And then he calls Glory a skank. And I'm just not here for it, Spike. I'm tired of you. Right. Yes. Oh. So Buffy can, t- can call Glory a hell bitch all she wants. Yes. Spike, get that language out of your, your mouth. Good point. So Glory then begins beating on Spike. <laughs> Good. And then he passes out just like Giles would. So Glory says to Buffy, if he wakes up, tell your boyfriend to watch his back. And Buffy's like, he's not my boyfriend. <laughs> like She's like disgusted and punches Glory. Tara and Willow are behind them while they fight in doing an incantation of some sort. Giles shoots Glory with a crossbow, does absolutely nothing. <laughs> crossbow, useless weapon. <laughs> always, always. Xander hits Glory with a crowbar and she chucks what him. What did you think that was going to do, Xander? Like, he's trying to sneak up on her this whole time. And I'm just looking at him. I'm like, Xander, you're going to get yourself killed. This is going to be Troll 2.0. <laughs> okay, that was my point. Xander survived the troll, so he is invincible. And also, Xander... Oh, okay, good point. Xander feels like because a 14-year-old has a crush on him, he's the Xan man now and can just take on a god. Okay. Oh, my God. To have the confidence of a mediocre white man. <laughs> we would all be so successful if we had that kind of confidence. Glory throws Xander into Giles. <laughs> and uh glory says time to start the dying and she has the crossbow (laughs) so funny she chucks it at dawn and buffy dies in front of her sister and gets impaled with it that looks like a nasty it's near her heart oh i know i know and but she catches it but it also embeds her in a little bit yeah she probably stops her from going through yeah and i think i hope that buffy learned a valuable lesson from this because remember she chucked that sword at Nigel in checkpoint and it went into the shelf. So Buffy, if someone had dived in front of that, that could have been very, very painful for somebody. Yeah, but she, no, she was aiming for the shelf. She knew what she was She knew. (laughs) So Glory says, nice catch, but um, she's not so impressed. And then Willow and Tara sprinkle her with glitter. (laughs) And she's like, you did, look what you did to my dress, you little. And Willow claps her hands and she says, descende or something like that. And Glory disappears and Willow falls over. So Buffy's hugging Dawn and Willow says that that was a teleportation spell still working out the kinks. And Buffy's like, well, where did you send her? And Willow's like, I don't know. It's one of the kinks. (laughs) And we see Glory materialize in the sky, like hundreds and hundreds of meters above, I think, Sunnydale. And she says, oh, shit. And she falls like a comet to the ground. Wouldn't it be funny if she were in like a different part of the world? So she has to make her way back. They keep teleporting her to like China. (laughs) Like she has to find I mean, that's one way to deal with her, (laughs) right? Like that's actually not a bad strategy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so good for Willow for, you know, using your magic and you didn't even need Anya to screw it up for you. You screwed it up all on your own, but it worked well. <laughs> and you're not blaming Anya. Also, I think it's hilarious how, like, Glory is not that far up, all things considered, based on kind of the scale of what you can see below her. But then when it cuts to the far shot of her 
falling back to earth it's kind of like you know there's a streak of flame like she, like there's atmospheric drag happening yeah. it's like she wasn't that high up people <laughs> but it's yeah funny. but it looks good it looks good so Buffy is asking dawn if she's okay and oh yes that angst is still there she's still upset she says why do you care <laughs> it's delicious car it's delicious <laughs> like, like buffy's literally bleeding from having a crowbar just above her heart right and dawn is still sassing her she's like wow <laughs> am i getting in the way of your night buffy <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry it's funny it's just funny <laughs> buffy buffy says because i love you you're my sister don says no i'm not buffy <laughs> buffy says you are she and she shows don don cut her hand i guess during this whole thing and um she says it's blood summer's blood and buffy takes the blood from her wound in her chest and she grabs don's hand and they do a blood handshake Buffy says, it's just like mine. It doesn't matter where you come from or how you got here. You're my sister. There's no way you could annoy me so much if you weren't. Dawn hears this. She cries and they hug. And Dawn says, I was so scared. Buffy says, me too. Ah, So this is really touching. Is this where you cried? This is where I cried. And I, I want to be clear. I don't endorse mixing blood with people, not even siblings. Yeah. <laughs> That's not hygienic. Yeah. Um, But... Yeah, the moment where she's like, it's Summer's blood, right? She's like, it doesn't matter where you came from or how you... It's just like, I wasn't expecting to cry. Like, it's a touching scene. It's legit touching. I wasn't expecting to cry, but I don't know if it's just because I've been in an emotional place this week, if I was tired, but like, it really hit me. And it's the acceptance, right? Because it would be so easy for Buffy to say, you're just a thing. You're just a key you were sent to protect me. You're a bird. Like Buffy could say that. It would be terrible. I would judge her for it. But she could say that, right? She is fighting so hard to protect Dawn, not just because Dawn is the key, but also because Dawn is her sister. I, I mean, you know, kudos, monks. I guess you got your wish. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just, it really got to me. Yeah. And I think that. As I said before, Joyce was the one coming at it with all the love and Buffy was more tactical about it. But now Buffy has found the right approach, right? It's like, I love you. You're my sister. We're bonded. And I, I want to shout out because back in family, we were talking so much about chosen family and how important that is and how great this show depicts it with the Scoobies and their connection to each other. But that's also to say in this episode, they're talking about the blood ties that family can have right? Between your right. siblings, between your loved ones. Um, doesn't always have to be related, but in this case it is. And I think it's nice mm -hmm. that the show also says this is also an important bond that people can have. I, yeah. And, you know, the whole, like, the line, there's no way you could annoy me so much if you weren't. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like that acknowledgement, right? That it doesn't matter where you came from, you're my sister now, whether either of us likes it all the time. <laughs> yeah. And, and that idea of, like, you know, Family are the ones, like, friends are the people you hang out with because you enjoy spending time with them. Family are the ones you hang out with because you have to, right? Yes. And family are the ones you protect because you have to. It's it's an obligation, and it's hopefully a joyful one most of the time. But that's the whole thing, right? Is it's like Buffy will protect Dawn with her life even when she's upset with Dawn. Yes. Because Dawn is family. And it's, it's so moving. I, it's a marked contrast to earlier in the season when... Harmony has Dawn trapped, right? And like 
we're just laughing all the way because Harmony's not a threat. Glory's a threat here. Dawn could seriously have been injured or killed or brain sucked. Suck jobbed. <laughs> not on a minor staff. <laughs> um, well, Xander would. <laughs> uh, so the threat here is so much more potent which makes sense because we're now halfway through season five but i'm sitting here i'm watching this and i'm just like this is fucking good tv like here we have these two sisters one of them tries to save the world on a regular basis the other one's just being threatened by a god and i'm just like i'm eating this shit up and i'm i i really hope younger people watching buffy are seeing it that way where it's like this is the same or better quality as what we can get now in a lot of TV shows. A lot of movies. I think back then it was, yeah, I think back then it was probably, it probably stood out even more for just like how rich and good this storyline and this development has been. I love it so much. I just wish I had a way to like relive it and talk about it every week with somebody. <laughs> if only we could find a way. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so. After this happens, right, they talk about Ben. (laughs) Don says, wait, Ben, wait, he was here. He was trying to help me. I think he might have left before Glory came. I can't remember. And Buffy's like, that's okay. We'll thank him next time we see him, right? So clearly, like, Buffy just thinks, oh, you know, Don's in shock. She just had a traumatic experience. It's very normal for your memories to be unreliable and hazy during such an experience. She's had a rough couple of days. We're supposed to think, oh, 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 so there's something weird going on here. And I think we can be upfront with our listeners, right? Like, you know, clearly we know more than we're letting on. We're just having fun with it. I think we're going to keep the joke going here and there. <laughs> yeah. Just like, wait, Glory and Ben, are they connected? Um, and you're probably going to hate us for it because it's going to get old fast. But like, it's fun. I think this is a fun little touch that the show has hit upon in terms of like, how can we stretch this out a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. So Buffy says, we have to get you back home because mom's freaking out. And Dawn's like, oh, shit, is she mad? Like, uh, about the whole fire thing? <laughs> you thick? Dawn, you lit the house on fire. Fuck you. You're so grounded. <laughs> that's, that's, and that is, hey, lighting fires in your room is beyond the angst that I like to see. I don't want to see house right. destruction. I don't want to see property destruction or when teens get up to like nonsense, like spray painting fences. <laughs> Is that what kids get up to these days? Smoking and drugs. <laughs> what about when they go around uh, wearing hoodies? Ooh, and baggy pants. And loitering outside of local businesses. Ooh, when they when they skateboard on public property. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> what about when they listen to their music really loud on their boom boxes? Their rap music. Ooh, <laughs> teens. <laughs> um. So so, Buffy says, um, I think you get a get out of jail free card on account of big love and drama. And Dawn's like, okay, good. And as they're leaving, Dawn says, you think she'll raise my allowance? And Buffy says, don't push it. And that's the end. <laughs> love it. I, I think that's such a great love ending. It. Yeah, it's so, so good. good. Who's your hero? Joyce. <laughs> Joyce is my hero. I mean, I, I think all the Summers girls did a really good job in this episode in terms of taking yeah, us on a journey. Dawn, Dawn is my hero. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a very heavy moment for her. And I think she dealt with it as well as she could have as a 14-year-old girl. Because that's the other thing. We, we've talked a lot about teenage angst. Like you said, a lot of it comes out as rage because, you know, hormones and then just on top of that, emotional regulation is a skill. And when you're younger, you don't have as much skill at handling 
your feelings and having healthy outlets for it. So I think we have to remember and cut Don Slack where it's like, she doesn't know how to deal with this. <laughs> um, it's hard. And I think she's doing her best. I think she does a pretty good job here. Again, yeah, the lighting on fire, probably a step too Ooh. far. She deserves a little bit of uh, consequences for that. Consequences. No soup. No soup for her. <laughs> oh, dear. No, no dinner in a bag. <laughs> yeah, but that also comes down to control, right? And there's so many things that were out of control for Dawn in this episode. Her very, her very essence <laughs> is not in her control. She couldn't control whether or not she is alive for six months or not, right? So I think that was portrayed really well through her character. So I totally get why she's your hero. I think I just chose Joyce because I just found her so mom. She's so mom in this episode. I want to make you soup. <laughs> I want to hug you. Are you okay? Go to school. Stay home. Yeah. Like, what do you need? What do you need from me? And I, I love that. So... We have hot steaks. The hottest of steaks. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Delicious. All right. Which is grilled steaks today. The first one is from Angela, who wants to write about the hospital staffing and listening to fear. Angela says, my theory is that the nurses were fired after, after the incident in band candy. When the babies were stolen, they fired a good chunk of the nurses. Why else would a doctor answer a call light? Which would also explain why no one was answering it because the amount of nurses is next to none. Also, why would a doctor be discharging Joyce going over everything Buffy will need to take care of Joyce? Not to mention super convenient of him to give her the medications Joyce needs. <laughs> true no need to go to the pesky pharmacy to make sure the meds are safe for her to make to take and there's not interaction with other meds the doctor can give total care and do everything to help the patients instead of there being more nurses than doctors there are more doctors than nurses just an observation having worked in healthcare for 16 years also there are no nursing assistants either and they are really the unsung heroes of the hospital uh thanks angela we're right there with you so, there's something there's something weird going on at Sunnydale, Sunnydale Hospital. <laughs> I I would not be surprised if we read like a ProPublica article <laughs> in the next couple of seasons being like, you know, there's something rotted in Sunnydale Hospital. <laughs> Someone needs to investigate this place real quick. Or like, remember that one doctor in Killed by Death who was like doing experiments and, and had yep. malpractices like many and they're just like, you stay in the children's ward, you. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're like we know you're a bad doctor but it's really hard to attract talent here and if we fire you then the hospital president is going to make us hire his son so just just stay in the children's ward don't come out <laughs> that's that we love the hospital thanks angela we love the hospital so much uh uh we also have a hot stake from elizabeth about adoption so we had talked previously when we discovered don's nature and not being told, right? We brought it up in this episode. Um, so Elizabeth has a perspective saying, while I don't speak for all ado adoptees, I am adopted, specifically a transracial uh, international adoptee or TRIA. Uh, transracial being referred to a child being raised by a parent or parents that are a different race, usually, of course, white parents raising a racialized kid um, because there's this whole history of white supremacy, white saviorism, both international adoptions. And also, uh, I know here in Canada, and I'm sure also in the States, um, a lot of indigenous children were forcibly removed from their homes and then adopted into white homes. It was uh, colloquially 
recall uh, called the 60s scoop, even though it is still ongoing today. Anyway, sorry, a little tangent there. Yes. Uh, Elizabeth goes on to say, first of all, I kind of doubt that Gross Joss or anyone on the creative team thought of this with any nuance, as Don's overall character arc doesn't seem to be affected in a way that would parallel actually finding out you're adopted. So in my mind, either they did no research or it had nothing to do uh, with the way they wrote that scene with Buffy and Joyce in the hospital. So that was the scene at the end of uh, Listening to Fear, where, you know, Buffy and Joyce were kind of like, she's ours. Um, Elizabeth goes on to say, but yes, Steph, you are correct Woo-hoo! that if <laughs> if Don wasn't a key, I think most adoptees would agree uh, that she should be told. I've seen the show twice through, once before I came out of what we call The Fog and once after, um, and Elizabeth offers an internet definition of The Fog, which is the way adoptees feel, think, and operate before they come out of the denial or ignorance around their adoption. Uh, Elizabeth says, this can happen even to those who have always known they were adopted, like me. Uh, In listening to the podcast now and having come through the fog myself, I don't connect Dawn's character to this journey at all. I've always found her character rather insufferable, selfish, and very one-dimensional. I think the latter quality is the reason why I don't associate Dawn or any part of her arc with adoption. Outside of the Buffyverse, adoption is so painfully complicated and that's the biggest thing I hope people take away from the subject. Thanks for writing in and, and speaking about that, Elizabeth. Yeah, and Elizabeth has been um, a very active Popsy Girl community member on our Instagram. So thanks for writing in, Elizabeth. Always great to hear from you. Now, we will thank our chosen ones. Thank you to all of our supporters and our chosen ones as well. Lizzie, Holly, Kayla, Brady, Jordan, Julian, Nicola, and Luis. Emma, Taza, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, and Tasha. Thanks so much. We will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook prophecy underscore girls on twitter also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our discord can't wait to hear from you praise malik see you next week